Okay, if you have a Bible, you can open to Galatians 5. That's where we've been for a few weeks, and uh, we will be for several weeks more up until Christmas, uh, looking at the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The text is printed there uh, in the bulletin for us. That'll be the text that we read together in a minute when we uh, read the scripture aloud. Um, so I put some quotes there on that same page. Um, there's a quote from Alexander Schmemann in his book, a uh, great little book, For the Life of the World. I love this quote. Um, used it before several times, I think. Where he says, From its very beginning, Christianity has been the proclamation of joy. It's the proclamation of joy. Uh, when somebody comes to a religion, usually they're coming to a set of rules that's actually quite like coming into a new kind of a slavery. <laughs> now, that's what happens when you come into a religion. But when somebody comes to Jesus, that's what Christianity is, somebody's coming to Jesus, then uh, they're coming to someone who is actually the Lord of joy. That's who we're coming to in Christianity. When we come to Jesus, you're coming to the Lord of joy. The Lord of joy loves us by his grace. The Lord of joy sets us free from all slavery to the law and to sin and to death and, uh, and hell and even our, our very selves. The Lord of joy plants his own joy in us. He, invite, he invites us to enter into his joy so that our joy may be full and complete. So joy is important to God. Joy is important to Jesus. And the Bible takes nothing more seriously than joy. It's second in Paul's list here of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not necessarily to say that, uh, you know, sort of the attributes listed here are listed in order of descending importance. When you get to the end of the list, it's the things that are least important or whatever. It's not to say that necessarily. But surely it is significant that joy is listed second only to love in the list here of the fruit of the Spirit. And as we talked about last week, it could well be that love is the chief fruit of the Spirit, and that what follows after it in the list are facets of love or attributes of love. And in that case, uh, we probably could say that joy is the primary feature of holy love. Joy is the primary feature of God's divine love. Holy love rejoices. Divine love is a joyful love. I think we can say that. And this fruit, uh, this fruit is not just for sort of the spiritual elites or the super-Christians, as if there were any of those uh, in reality. Um, the fruit of holy joy is, is accessible. And um, it's actually easily accessible to any believer at any time because of the Spirit who's been given to us. That might be hard to believe. You might feel like joy is hard to obtain or joy should be hard to obtain. Uh, but the proclamation of the gospel is a proclamation of joy. So let's talk about that. Uh, let's pray, then we'll read the text together. <clears throat> Father, sometimes your word is, uh, it, it seems to us to be too good to be true. Sometimes it seems uh, just too hard to believe because it's, so wonderful. So we ask for the power of the Spirit to increase our capacity to believe your word, to believe what seems unbelievably good about your word, even now as we read it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So altogether, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hopefully that will get really drilled into our heads at the end of a couple months of uh, reciting it together, and we'll all be able to uh, have the fruit of the Spirit memorized. Um, So I want to be as clear on this as possible. I'm going to say it as simply as possible because it's so important. Because God is triune, God is joyful. Because God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God is joyful. I think it's too easy for us to imagine a stern God, a severe God, a stoic, uh, cheerless God. But Yahweh, the, the, the true God who's revealed in our scriptures, Yahweh is not like the great curmudgeon in the sky. He's not like that. Yahweh, the God who's revealed in the Christian scriptures, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God who is love, the God who dwells in eternal communion, the one true God, is joyful. He is joyful. Whether that's a counterintuitive thing for you to hear or not. Before creation, above creation, and behind creation is the God of joy, the Father and the Son, delighting in each other in the Spirit. It's the the jubilant, glorious communion of the triune God that has bubbled over and spilled forth into the creation of all things. So this world, because God himself is joyful, this world, which is his creation, it was made by sheer divine joy. At his original creation, as God observed everything that his word had brought into being, he celebrated with this sevenfold good, 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 very good. And he kicked back at the end to enjoy it all, and he invited humanity, made in his own image, to enter into his joy together with him and enjoy it all together with him. The world that we live in is not ultimately a bleak place. It's not ultimately a dismal, desolate place. This world is a place that's made by joy, it's made for joy, because God is joyful. Your life is not meant to be bleak and dismal and desolate. Your life is meant for joy because God is joyful, because he's made you in his image, because he has invited you into his joy. We know the story from all the scriptures. Humanity refused God's invitation, refused the invitation to, to share God's joy. We sought our joy in rebellion against him, apart from him, right? in the things that were made by the joyful God, but apart from our relationship with this joyful God. That's where we sought our joy. Not with Him, but in the things He's made. And that's where we've all gone wrong. We can't escape the reality of our creation. We can't escape the fact that we were made for joy. We can't stop looking for it. We can't stop trying to synthesize it. We live lives that are full of stress, in pursuit 
of a single drop of happiness when we were made to swim in the oceans of God's joy. It's because we were made to swim in the oceans of God's joy that we spend our lives, and they're so stressful, just looking for one little drop. Instead of finding our joy in relationship with God, that's what we were made for, to find our joy in relationship with God. Instead of that, we're scrambling to find it anywhere else but Him. Anywhere else. But there is no true joy apart from God, and so we've brought upon ourselves the misery that is so common in this world. That's why it's so easy for us to believe that this world is a bleak and dismal and desolate place because of the misery that we've brought in seeking our joy apart from God. Now, we automatically tether our joy to the circumstances of our lives, the way things are going and the times and the things in our lives, and even the people in our lives. We tether our joy to the circumstances of our lives, which we never seem quite able to manage well enough to ensure that our joy is full and complete and everlasting. Apart from the joyful God, apart from relationship with Him, our joy is ruined, and our chances for joy are ruined. But this same God sent His only Son into the world to share His joy with us again, to restore our joy with him and to fill it up forever. The angels announced his birth with the proclamation of good news of great joy. The Lord of joy himself has come in the flesh, come to welcome us back into his joy. So God is joyful, which means that Jesus is joyful because Jesus is the joyful God come in the flesh. Jesus is the God of joy, and Jesus is also the man of joy. He's also the true human being of joy, even though he's also called the man of sorrows, and we sing songs about that. He's also called the man of sorrows because he suffered more than anyone else could ever know. But everything that he suffered, rejection, abandonment, Betrayal, humiliation, and shame, and torment, even death on a cross. He suffered it all for the joy that was said before him, as it says in Hebrews 12. In suffering for us, he found his own joy, and he opened the way for us back into God's joy. So when the authors of the Gospels write about his baptism... It takes place at the beginning of his ministry as he pledges himself to us so that as it goes with us, so it'll go with him. And as it goes with him, so it'll go with us. He pledges himself in unity to us in the Holy Spirit <clears throat> at his baptism. All the gospel writers record, uh, who, who record uh, the baptism, they record the Father saying of Jesus, This is my beloved Son with whom I am delighted. God says of Jesus, my joy is in him. And then the Father baptizes or anoints Jesus with the Holy Spirit, who is likened in the Scriptures to the oil of gladness with which Jesus is anointed. So the Eternal Father, he delights over his Eternal Son. 
God the Father delights over God the Son in the eternal spirit. But in Jesus, the same Father has delighted over a human being in the very same way. The Father celebrates Jesus, the human being. The Father rejoices over Jesus. The Father pours out the spirit of holy joy upon Jesus. And he does this to Jesus, a human being, as one of us. He does this to Jesus as our representative, as the one who stands before God in our place, as the one who would then turn around and anoint us with the same oil of gladness, the same spirit of the Father's holy joy. So when God saves his people, which is what happens when you entrust yourself to Christ and you're united to Jesus through the Holy Spirit, you're saved. When God saves his people, God rejoices. It says in Zephaniah chapter 3, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He'll rejoice over you with gladness. God is not stoic toward you. He's not disinterested or aloof. He's in your midst, a mighty one who will save, rejoicing over you with gladness, exulting over you with loud singing. In Luke 15, Jesus tells the parable of the shepherd who finds his lost sheep. He says, this is what God is like. This is what the kingdom of God is like. One shepherd goes out to find that lost sheep, that one sheep. He carries the sheep home on his shoulders, rejoicing. He calls together his friends and neighbors to rejoice with him. And he says, such is the joy in heaven. Such is the joy of God himself over a single sinner who repents. Over every single one of you. In our gospel reading, we heard about Jesus rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. Rejoicing in the special relationship that he has with the Father through the Spirit. A relationship that nobody else has. And rejoicing to share this unique relationship. This father-son relationship. Rejoicing to share it with his people. In that passage uh, in Luke 10, we have revealed to us what is the heart of true Christian joy. This is what we're talking about when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit being joy. And the thing that sets Christian joy apart from any other joy, it's the joy of knowing God. It's the joy of making God known. That's what Jesus demonstrates there in Luke Luke chapter 10. In eternity, this joy defines the love and the communion of the triune God. The Son rejoices because he knows the Father. The Spirit rejoices because he makes the Father known to the Son. Joy is the primary feature of the holy love of God in eternity. And Jesus has that same joy. He rejoices in the Holy Spirit as the incarnate Son, as the human. Jesus has the joy of knowing God and the joy of making God known. It delights him to reveal that God to us as our loving and gracious Father. And Jesus tells us that's what we should be excited about. That's what he says there in Luke 10. He says, we should rejoice above all in this relationship. Above all else, rejoice in this relationship. 
The heart of our joy as Christians is knowing God and making him known. It's being back in relationship with him, enjoying him, and enjoying everything with him rather than apart from him. Jesus shares this joy with us in the Spirit. In Jesus, what God has done is he has taken humanity, he's taken our humanity back up into his own joy. And it's this joy, this divine joy, as the fruit of Christ's life with God that Jesus shares with us as we abide with him, as we abide with him through the Spirit. So again, referring back to John 15, uh, which probably will be something of a uh, theme throughout uh, the fruit of the Spirit, where Jesus talks about the, the, the fruit that we can grow through our union with him, our communion with him as we abide in him. He says, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So the joy that belongs to Jesus because of who he is, because of what he's done, because of his relationship with the Father, as the only one who truly knows God and who truly makes God known, that, that joy belongs to him. It belongs to him It's not innate to us. It's not achievable by us. But he shares it with us as a gift. So as with all things in the Christian life, we're talking about, when we talk about joy, we're talking about having Christ's own joy vicariously. That's the way Christianity works. Christianity is about Jesus and about his life as a human being with God, in relationship with God. It's about how he shares that with us so that what's true of him may become true of us through faith in him and through our spiritual union with him. So the the true source of the Christian's joy is not in our circumstances. It's not in anything we can put together for ourselves, scratch up for ourselves. The true source of the Christian's joy is Christ himself because it's his own joy with which we can rejoice which has grown in us as the fruit of the Spirit. If the Christ-centered Spirit is at work in you, directing your attention to Jesus and knitting your heart to Jesus and filling you up with his life, then his joy will fill you up too. So it can be said to all of God's people who have a relationship with him through faith in Jesus and by the power of the Spirit, As it says in Nehemiah chapter 8, the joy of the Lord, the Lord's joy, is your strength. It's not just whatever good cheer we can scrounge and muster up that, that energizes us and keeps us going in this life. It's the Lord's own divine joy that actually becomes ours and empowers us and animates us and energizes us to live whatever may come. Whatever may come. And his joy, the Lord's joy, because it's God's joy, it's eternal. It's unshakable. It's unassailable. No one can threaten God's joy. No one can overthrow God's joy. No one can steal it. So Jesus says in John 16, no one will take your joy from you. They can't take it from you. Yes, people can certainly make us suffer. When you're talking about Christian joy, 
We're not erasing the reality of all the difficult things in life. We're not denying that. Yes, people can make us suffer. Yes, circumstances can make us sad. Yes, chemicals gone wrong in our brains can make us depressed. But with God's eternal joy in our hearts, through faith in Christ, the joy of knowing God, which is freely given to us as a gift, the joy of making God known by the power of His Spirit, we have a joy that no one and nothing can take away from us. So Paul can describe himself in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Those things can coexist in your life. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. It is possible to face dismal and depressing circumstances. It is possible to be in the midst of conflict and pain and confusion. It is possible to suffer loss or accusations or persecutions. And for the joy of the Lord to be your strength, nevertheless. This is true because of the joy that is the fruit of the Spirit is the spiritual eternal life of Jesus that's alive in you. And it's not a joy that's bound to your current circumstances. It's not a joy that's dependent on your current circumstances. It's a joy that you have because you have been restored to relationship with God and nothing can change that. The fruit of holy joy is available wherever the Spirit of the Lord is. Available to any believer at any time. Even when you have doubts that you're a believer. That you're actually in a, a right relationship with God through faith in Christ. Even when you have regrets because of your own sin. You may still rejoice in prayer knowing that God rejoices over you entirely in spite of your sin. Because of Jesus. That was always going to be the case for you. If God's going to rejoice over you with loud singing, he's rejoicing over people who in and of ourselves are sinners. King David was one of the biggest sinners there ever was, and as he confessed the biggest complex of sin that he ever committed in his prayer of confession in Psalm 51, he prayed and asked God, and the boldness of it, he prayed and asked God to restore to him the joy of his salvation. Does he deserve that? He's saying, in spite of my not deserving it, give me the joy of your salvation. He sure didn't deserve to share in God's joy. That's why it's called forgiveness. That's why it's called salvation. God in his grace saves us from ourselves, saves us from what we deserve, an eternity of joylessness. He brings us back into relationship with himself to swim again in the oceans of his joy. That's the very purpose for which the Lord of joy came into the world in the first place. So even when you're most despairing, of the spiritual joy of relationship with God, you can be assured. Anytime you hear the gospel, you could be assured. In fact, the joy of salvation is for you in Christ. God is joyful. Jesus is joyful. The Spirit is holy joy personified. And this God is yours. 
The Lord of joy himself is yours, and no one can change that. He celebrates you, and you are welcome in the communion of his spirit of celebration. Because of Jesus, you're welcome to the eternal delight of finite beings discovering the unending glories of the infinite God. Eternal delight. You're welcome into it because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, you're welcome freely to enter into a joy that you could never produce for all your hard work, for all your good work. You can never produce it. You're welcome freely. Because of Jesus, you're welcome into the people of praise. The people of rejoicing. You're welcome here as we worship the God of jubilation. Because of Jesus, who has the joy of knowing God and the joy of making God known, you are most welcome back into God's own joy. This is the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, joy characterizes your eternal life. It might seem too bold to ask of you that we could share in your joy. But that was your idea in the first place, and you've told us to rejoice and to ask for the joy of salvation if we lack it. And we want the true joy that comes from you. We want that joy in all seasons, whether or not the circumstances of our lives are always pleasant. So we pray, we ask you, please grow this fruit of the Spirit in us so that Jesus' own joy would be in us and so that our joy may be complete. And we ask that you would help us to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to our friends and to our family and to our neighbors in such a way that truly the gospel is a proclamation of joy to all who hear it with faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.